right. If you guys want to find your ways to your seat, we'll go ahead and get started here. All right, everyone, welcome. It is a joy and honor to be here this morning with you all. Uh, if we haven't had the pleasure of meeting, my name is Luke Bellata. I oversee our communications and our digital presence here and also uh, have the joy of leading our college group on campus. Um, so I want to welcome you all to FX Church and I'm glad that you are all here and we also want to welcome those that are listening in online from wherever you may be. Before we get started today, I'd like to open with just a word of prayer if you wouldn't mind joining me and then we'll get going. Dear Heavenly Father, we give you praise for your goodness, Lord, for your faithfulness. I thank you that you keep your word and your promises to us. Lord, I thank you for your son, Jesus Christ, who died on the cross for our sins and our place and raised us from the dead. Lord, we thank you that through Jesus, you've allowed us to be able to boldly approach your throne through prayer and throughout today that we'll be, be looking deeper at that. Lord, I thank you that you allow us to speak to you and that you listen. Lord, I ask today that you would help me to speak clearly and to correctly teach your word. Lord, I ask that your spirit would lead and that I would follow. And I ask for those in attendance and those listening online that you would soften their hearts to your word, and that they would leave uh, today with a greater love for you and a greater desire to spend time with you in prayer. Lord, I pray all this in your name. Amen. All right, so if you have been with us for a little bit, or this is your, your first Sunday here, we typically like to preach book by book, verse by verse, through, through various books of the Bible. We just finished up a series through the book of Ecclesiastes last week. It's available online. If you want to go back anytime, you can listen through that. Um, but before we start our next book, we decided to take a quick little pause. We're going to do a three-week series uh, that we've titled Spring Training. Um, and so... We thought that was an apt name. You know, Major League Baseball just had their opening day this week. Uh, spring training is the preseason for Major League Baseball. If you're not familiar, typically they go and travel somewhere warm, like Arizona or Florida. Unfortunately for us, we're still here in Indiana. So uh, bear with me there, but it should be a good time. So we're really kind of focusing on a lot of the fundamentals of our faith. So different aspects uh, of kind of the basics. So today I'm gonna be preaching on prayer. Next week, Brian is gonna be preaching on evangelism and sharing the gospel. And then uh, to close out this series, in two weeks, Matt is gonna be preaching on knowing God and some of the different skills that we can do to know God better. So our goal within this series is that it'll be edifying and beneficial to your faith and to your soul and in your walk, just going back through the simple things. So as I mentioned, we're gonna be focusing on prayer today. Now each of us here in this room, we, we all have different backgrounds with prayer, different experiences, different feelings and thoughts about prayer. You know, some of us here, some of us listening online, you know, you may be someone who is faithful and just one of those saints that just prays, you know, constantly and you diligently pray and offer praises to God for those uh, in, within our church and in our community. And I'm so grateful for those people that have those giftings. Maybe you are going through, you know, a, a difficult season in your life and maybe you're struggling to pray. Maybe there's something going on that you've experienced in the past or you're currently experiencing that's making it really difficult for you to go to God. Uh, and to pray to him. Uh, that might be where you're at right now. Maybe you're sitting here and you, you know, I know I need to be better at prayer, but I just, I just find it really boring. I just find it really repetitive. I just can't get myself to actually do it, or I really struggle to, to make time to pray. That may be you here today. Maybe you're here and you're from, coming from a different religion or a different denomination, and prayer is something that may look very different than what it does here at FX. Um, maybe this is your first time in church and prayer is a completely new concept to you. I don't want to take anything for granted and assume where people are at. So we're all coming in this with different backgrounds and different thoughts and feelings about what prayer looks like to us. 
No matter what your background is coming in today, I hope that this message, my goal is that it would, would spark a fire in your soul to want to pray more, to have a desire to pray more. And then I also want to equip you with a few simple methods of ways to pray better, um, different simple ways that you can do to um, be more effective in your prayers. So since we're going through all the fundamentals, I, I want to, again, just start from square one, and I, I want to kick us off. I was trying to think of a good way to define prayer. You know, all throughout Scripture, we see a lot of passages about prayer, but it's never actually defined anywhere. Um, and so I kind of talk about what prayer is and what it's not at the same time. So one, scripture, one definition that I found online that I thought was a good way to sum it up uh, says that prayer is the act of asking God to do what he has already promised to do. So it's not, God's not a genie that we pray to and make wishes and hope that he gives us all the things that we want. Uh, you know, I want a really nice car. I want all these things. God, I wish that you would give me this and that we can twist him and get him to do the things that we want. That's not what prayer is. Prayer is asking God to do what he has already promised to do. And we see this throughout scripture. We're going to look at a few different examples throughout scripture of prayers, both in the Old Testament and in the New, and we'll see kind of this common theme uh, uh, that it's, it's, it's asking God to do what he's already said he's going to do. So first I'm going to have us uh, go to Genesis 32. Uh, all of the scripture will be on the screen today as well as if you go online, fxchurch.com, you click the go live button, all of the scriptures are there linked and that'll follow you along. We're going to be jumping around throughout scripture today, so be ready to, to jump with me, but they'll always be on the screen and they're available online. So the first prayer I want to look at in the Old Testament is the prayer of Jacob. We see in Genesis 32 here, and just for some context, this is the story of Jacob and Esau. And so, you know, Jacob stole the birthright from his older brother Esau and ran away, and Esau was very angry and wanted to kill him. And so many years have gone by, and Jacob's getting ready to return to, to see his brother Esau. And so this is the prayer that he prays in Genesis 32, starting in verse 9. Then Jacob said, God of my father Abraham and God of my father Isaac, the Lord who said to me, go back to your land and to your family, and I will cause you to prosper. I am unworthy of all the kindness and faithfulness you have shown your servant. Indeed, I crossed over Jordan with my staff, and now I have two camps. Please rescue me from the hand of my brother Esau, for I am afraid of him. Otherwise, he may come and attack me, the mothers and their children. You have said, I will cause you to prosper, and I will make your offspring like the sand of the sea, which cannot be counted. So here in this prayer, we see that's really the heart of Jacob's prayer. He's praying to God that he will do what he's already promised to do. God has promised Abraham, who's Jacob's grandfather, that he will be a great nation. His descendants will be numerous and, and countless. Um, and so Jacob knows that God is going to continue to do that, but he's asking God, God, please do what you've said you're already going to do. Help me to believe that you're going to do that and, and protect me. You know, these principles apply to nearly every prayer found in Scripture. Many prayers of the Old Testament are praying for God to bring forth the promised Messiah and for God's kingdom to come. That's a lot of what the Old Testament is looking ahead. You know, in the New Testament, we see the same process. And we're going to look um, within Matthew. The disciples asked Jesus to teach them how to pray. And from that, we get the famous Lord's Prayer. We're going to be looking pretty heavily at this passage today. Uh, but I'll read it briefly for us. So Matthew 6, starting in verse 9. Therefore you should pray like this. This is Jesus talking to the disciples. Our Father in heaven, your name be honored as holy. Your kingdom come, your will be done, on earth as it is in heaven. Give us today our daily bread, and forgive us our debts, as we also have forgiven our debtors. And do not bring us into temptation, 
but deliver us from the evil one. For yours is the kingdom and the power and the glory forever. Amen. And so even within this passage that Jesus is teaching them how to pray, you know, he's praying for God's will. He's praying for his kingdom to come. He's praying for things that God has already promised he's going to do and continues to fulfill that promise. So it's not anything new. Uh, these prayers are not anything radical. They're just prayers of praying that God will keep his word, and we know that he will. So this whole idea, I find, is also summed up nicely in 1 John. Uh, 1 John 5, verses 14 through 15. And it says, Now this is the confidence we have before him. Whenever we ask anything according to his will, he hears us. And if we know that he hears whatever we ask, we know that we have what we have asked him for. And so again, it's just kind of focusing. When our prayers are biblical, we're praying for God's will. And we want our wills to align with God's will and placing our wills under, under his. So we know that anytime we're praying for God's will, we can have confidence that he hears us and he's going to, to do that. He's going to answer those prayers because his will is sovereign and is over all. So I have a few other passages we're kind of going to jump through and, again, look through what the Bible says about prayer. Again, I mentioned like different camps you could be in right now, where you're at. Again, maybe you're struggling to pray about something. Maybe you don't know how to pray. Maybe you're, again, very gifted at prayer. Maybe you've never prayed before in your life. I want to kind of go through what the Bible says, why we should pray. What are some times and seasons that we should cause us to pray? Um, and first, I want to look at Hebrews 4, verses 14 through 16. And, and this is one of my favorite pictures of um, just how great and how unique and radical prayer is for us as Christians. It says, starting in verse 14, Therefore, since we have a great high priest who has passed through the heavens, Jesus, the Son of God, let us hold fast to the confession, for we do not have a high priest who is unable to sympathize with our weaknesses, but one who has been tested in every way as we are, yet without sin. Therefore, let us approach the throne of grace with boldness so that we may receive mercy and find grace to help us at a proper time, at the proper time. And so again, this is one of the most beautiful and reassuring passages in the scripture for me in the sense that we know, we, guys, we can boldly approach the throne of grace. That's such a radical idea that we can go boldly. We don't have to hide. We don't have to feel ashamed. We can boldly go because we know that Jesus is there at the right hand interceding on our behalf. You know, I think it's a common trick of the enemy that, they, that he uses, you know, oftentimes to make us feel that we're not worthy when we've sinned, that we are not, we're not worthy, but that we are unable to pray and repent and confess. We're unable to approach God's throne as sinners because this sin we just committed, this sin is too great, or we've sinned, you've sinned one too many times and there's no way for, God's not going to forgive you this time, you better go hide and try to solve it yourself. Um, we see that picture the same in the beginning with the first sin in Genesis chapter 3. You know, Adam and Eve, what do they do? They go and hide. They don't come and ask for forgiveness for God. They go and run and hide. And that's the same thing that the enemy has done in my life and I imagine many others as well. It makes you feel that you're not worthy of being saved and not worthy that God's grace isn't good enough for the sin that you've committed. So take heart and be reminded from this passage in Hebrews that that's not the case that we have the ability to boldly approach the throne of grace because we know that we'll receive mercy and find grace. So that should reassure us. So if you're here thinking that, you know, I'm a sinner and I'm not able to, to go and talk to God, that's, yes, you are a sinner, but you are able. God wants us to, to talk to him and spend time with him through prayer. 
The next passage I want us to look at is in 1 Timothy 2, verse 1. And it says, First of all, then, I urge that supplications, prayers, intercessions, and thanksgivings be made to all people. So note, this is Paul speaking to Timothy, and he urges Timothy to offer prayers to all people. Paul's not telling Timothy, only pray for those who love you, or only those that you love. He doesn't say to only pray for other believers. He says to pray for all people. And now, I believe this is one of the most loving things that we can do as Christians, one of the most loving acts, aside from sharing the gospel with a lost person, is offering to pray for someone. And not just offering, but praying for others. You know, think about it. If we are the people of God, if we believe that we know God personally and we have the opportunity to speak to him and he wants to hear our petitions and our intercessions on behalf of others, you know, how can we love others without praying for them? You know, it also is a really easy open door to a gospel conversation by offering to pray for someone. You know, whether you're out at a restaurant and with your server before you're going to pray for your meal, asking them, hey, how can we be praying for you? Is there anything in your life that we can be praying for you for? Asking a friend or a coworker how you can be praying for them. You know, when I was a freshman in college, my roommate, we were friends from high school, and I got in the habit, uh, I would always do my quiet time at like 2 a.m., 2 to 3 a.m. was my prime time. Uh, I've lost that ability now as I've gotten older, which really bums me out, but I used to be uh, a peak night owl there. But one thing I would do every night as I was doing my quiet time is I would always ask him, I would say, hey, is there anything I can be praying for you? And you know, when I would do that, oftentimes he would say, no, it's okay, or he'd, sometimes he would open up and tell me something that he was struggling with. But it was just an, an active way to continue to plant the seed uh, the, of the gospel within his life and the opportunity for me to have further opportunities to, to pray for him. You know, sometimes when you ask someone to pray for you, they may turn back and say, no, I don't want you to pray for me, or please don't pray for me. Well, you don't get to control what I pray for, and I'm going to pray for you regardless, but if you has anything in your life that you want me to pray for specifically, I'll do that. Um, but you have that ability, and so always asking, again, it plants that seed, and then they'll look at you as somebody, you know, in the future when they're going through a struggle, you know, when they are crying out to God, when they're wrestling with what they believe, they're going to remember all those times that you offered to pray for them, and they may reach back out to you and say, hey, I know it's been five years, but I just always remember you offering to pray for me, and I'm going through something right now, and I need some prayers. Can you do this? Can you pray for me? Again, you'll never know how God will work with that, but I strongly encourage you, you know, be a people of prayer for all people. Um, And so Jesus, you know, goes even one step further, uh, and he says this in his Sermon on the Mount, you have heard it that it is said, love your neighbor and hate your enemy. But I tell you, love your enemies and pray for those who persecute you. You know, he's telling us, again, just as Paul says, all people, Jesus makes it very clear, you know, pray for your enemies and even those that persecute you. So not even people that you just don't like or people you would consider your enemies, but pray for those that are actively trying to harm you, actively trying to kill you, even to destroy you. God commands us to pray for them. So again, if people are hostile to you and you ask them, hey, how can I pray for you? Hey, I don't want you to pray for me. Hey, I don't believe in God. Please don't do that. We're still commanded to pray for them. You know, I think about the times of of the early church and the early believers. You know, Saul was persecuting Christians and killing them and was known among the church uh, as someone they feared. You know, through Jesus' commands, they would have been commanded to pray for Saul. I don't know. We don't have record if they did pray for Saul's conversion, but that would have been a very challenging thing for them to do was pray, pray for this guy who is 
you know, persecuting us. He's murdering our friends and family. And I'm supposed to pray for him? Uh, but that is, that's the command for all of us. That's the most loving thing we can do. There's not anyone who is too far gone as long as they are alive. There's no sin that is too great that Jesus' blood cannot wash clean. And Saul is a perfect example of that. Again, that would have been someone that would have been the last person the early church would have said, yeah, God's going to save that person and use him. Um, but God did. And we see, we have the majority of the New Testament from Paul. He's probably one of the most influential people of the New Testament outside of Jesus. And so again, be reminded, pray for your enemies. It's not just praying for ourselves, for our family. A lot of times we really get kind of me-focused in our prayers, focused on ourselves and what we're going through. But, but God reminds us to pray for others. Like it's not just about us and what we want. So the next passage I want us to look at is jumping over to 1 Thessalonians 5, verses 16 through 18. And I've joked uh, about this passage. It's starting to approach Luke 2.52 territory, if you're with FX a lot, where Matt has certain passages that he loves to share, uh, Luke 2.52 being number one. I think 1 Thessalonians 5, 16 through 18 is probably right there at number two. It hasn't gotten there yet, but it's number two. Uh, and you've probably heard Matt share how often, you know, especially in this town with college students, everyone wants to know, man, I just want to know what God's will is for my life. I just want to know what, what he's got planned for me. And, and that translates really to, you know, will I get married? Who am I going to marry? What job will I have? Where am I going to live? You know, will I have children? What type of flowers will be in the garden behind my white picket fence later on? You know, that's kind of really where, if we're honest, the hearts of those questions typically are. But according to 1 Thessalonians, we see what God's will is for us in all situations. You know, his will, it's very simple. It's to rejoice always, pray constantly, give thanks in everything, for this is God's will for you in Christ Jesus. So in any situation, you know, that's God's will. It's really simple. So, you know, we have hearts that rejoice. We always have something that we can rejoice about because God is so great and so loving that even in the worst situations on this side of earth, Nothing can keep us from our salvation in our eternity with Christ. So there's always something to rejoice about. Pray constantly. This is something that, that I've been convicted of. It's just, there's so many opportunities that I have to pray that I don't take advantage of. You know, there's often times where, you know, I'll, I'll have my time, my quiet time, that's when I pray. But then there's so many wasted hours in the day that could be redeemed by praying. You know, all the times I have in the car alone, a perfect time where I'd rather throw on a podcast and be distracted. Now there's anything wrong with my podcast. But what if I turned the radio off for five minutes and just spent some time praying, praying for whatever's going on in my day, praying for those I'm going to interact with, just enjoying God and his creation. That's a perfect time to do that. There's lots of times that we can redeem when we're running, if you're a runner. I'm not a runner. Uh, but if you run, if you, you know, if you take walks, just any time that you have alone, you can redeem that time and spend it with God. Um, so pray constantly. It's not just one set time that you're praying. It's kind of like, again, you know, making disciples. It's as you are going, the same thing. As you are going, pray. Be in conversation with God all day. It doesn't have to be a long prayer. It could be a very short prayer as I'm walking and I just see, you know, a beautiful bird fly across and land on a tree, you know, so magical. God, thank you for creation. Thank you for, for birds, for whatever they do, for them being cool to look at and making fun noises. Uh, just little things. You can give thanks in everything. And there's always something to be thankful for in the same sense. Um, again, no matter how difficult, no matter what situation you're going for. There's always something to be thankful for uh, from God. And again, that's his will for us in all situations. So it's nothing complex. It's nothing crazy. It's just simple. It's to rejoice always, pray constantly, give thanks in everything, for this is God's will for you in Christ Jesus. 
So another passage I want to look at here is from the book of James. James 5, 13 through 16. And it says, Is anyone among you suffering? He should pray. Is anyone cheerful? He should sing praises. So those are two situations right there. Are you suffering? You can probably fall in one of those camps. If you're suffering, you should pray. That's what you should do. If you're cheerful, we should sing praise. We should give glory to God that things are going well in our lives. Is anyone among you sick? He should call for the elders of the church and they should pray over him after anointing him with olive oil in the name of the Lord. The prayer of faith will save the sick person and the Lord will restore him to health. If he has committed sins, he will be forgiven. Therefore, confess your sins to one another and pray for one another so that you may be healed. The urgent request of a righteous person is very powerful in its effect. So one thing I want to note here within verse 14 when it's saying, you know, praying for those who are sick and that the prayer of faith will save the sick person. You know, this passage ha has been twisted a little bit in within modern culture. I feel like we're a lot of times within more charismatic, more charismatic movements. You know, if somebody's sick, well, we can just pray. And if you have great enough faith, God will heal you of your sickness. And if you aren't healed because we prayed, well, then I guess you didn't have enough faith. I don't, I don't believe that's what this passage is saying. This passage is saying, you know, if we pray for you, there's going to be ultimate healing someday. If we know Christ when we die and go to heaven to be with him, we're going to be healed of all sin, all sickness, all death. And that's the healing that this is talking about. You know, look, God chooses whether he heals some of us on earth or, or if not, if he waits to heal us till we're in heaven. We don't get to choose that, but that's kind of what this is talking about. So it's, we should pray for people to be healed. But again, we want to say, if the Lord wills. If it's your will, God, I pray that you would heal them uh, of their sickness, of whatever they're going through. But if it's not, Lord, we, we celebrate that someday you will heal them in eternity, in heaven with you. And so that's kind of the heart there for prayers. But those are three different times that, you know, many things going on in our lives that we have something to pray for. If we're suffering, God wants us to pray to him and talk to him. If we're cheerful, we should sing praises to God. If anyone's sick, we should pray for them. You know, we should intercede on their behalf, ask God to bring healing. But again, we trust in his timing and his will for that. It also says here in verse 16, you know, confess your sins to one another and pray for one another. That's another thing for us as believers with one another. You know, there's joy and relief in confession to one another as well before God. You know, we should confess to God, but also there's some things that we should confess to others and be able to have accountability in different areas of our lives or opportunities for us to, you know, ask for forgiveness for people that we have sinned against as well. You know, confessing that so that we can be healed and have that weight off of our shoulders. And then it says at the end, the urgent request of a righteous person is very powerful in its effect. So I'm not going to get super into this today. You can have lots of theological discussions and debates later on. Uh, I believe God is sovereign overall. You know, I believe God's will is going to be done. But at the same time, God asked us to pray to him and make our requests known. So I'm not sure. There's some people that believe if you pray enough, maybe you will change God's mind and he'll change his will. There's others that God's will is set in stone, so what's the point of even praying? Because God's will is going to be done. It's sovereign regardless. Uh, so why should we pray? We kind of fall in that awkwardness in the middle here, you know? Yes, we trust that God's will is sovereign overall, and God is God. He's going to do what he's going to do. We have no control in that. But also at the same time, God says that the urgent request of a righteous person is very powerful in its effect. God listens to us. He asks us to speak to him and make a request known. So 
We're still called to do that. God wants us to have a relationship with him. He wants to know our desires, and, and God knows our hearts. He knows before we even ask, but he gives such greater gifts from there as well. So if you want to dive theologically later, you can have that, that battle, but we're going to kind of fall in that lovely little, I don't know, kind of both, awkward in area that we do so often. So moving on, we're going to jump to Philippians 4, 6 through 7. And this, again, another situation, another feeling that you may be having in your life. It says, don't worry about anything, but in everything, through prayer and petition with thanksgiving, let your requests be made known to God. And the peace of God, which surpasses every thought, will guard your hearts and minds in Christ Jesus. So again, same thing. We've been told we don't have to worry about everything. God is in control. He will provide for us. But he wants us to let our requests be known to him. He asks us with prayer and petition and thanksgiving that we go before the throne and make our requests known. And as we saw earlier, you know, our requests should be for God's will. We want our hearts to be aligned with God's will. And we can ask God for that. God, here's my request, but at the end, I want what you want over what I want. And so if my, what I'm asking for does not align with your will, Lord, throw it out. I want what you have for my life. And again, when you do this, this comes with the peace of God. You know, I think we struggle a lot with anxiety. We struggle with not knowing what the future holds. We really want to have control and be able to plan our life X, Y, Z. I'm going to graduate in four years. I'm going to get married. I'm going to get a job. I'm going to have a house. I'm going to have kids in three years, et cetera, et cetera. We love to control all those things, but in reality, we don't have any control over any of that. God could call all of us home tonight. He could have us die in a car crash on the way back. We don't know how long we have. And so we shouldn't worry about those things. God is in control. He's going to provide in whatever scenario we're in. So in everything, let's just give it over to God and just go and let our request known to God and ask for his will to be done. So one thing I want to look at here in Matthew 7, and I want to make note, if you're one of those people I talked about in the beginning where maybe you're new to faith, maybe you're someone, this is your first time, your first experience with God, with prayer, you know, God, he hears us, he wants us, he wants to have that personal relationship with us. And he, he says here in Matthew chapter 7, it says, keep asking and it will be given to you. Keep searching and you will find, keep knocking and the door will be opened to you. For everyone who asks receives and the one who searches finds. And to the one who knocks, the door will be opened. What man among you, if his son asks for bread, will give him a stone? Or if he asks for a fish, will give him a snake? If you then, who are evil, know how to give good gifts to your children, how much more will your Father in heaven give good things to those who ask? So I, want to, I think this is just a very humorous passage within Scripture uh, where God says, you know, we're evil and we know how to give good gifts for our son. God is even greater than us. So God's not, not we can trust in his provision. He's not dumb. If we ask for bread, he's not going to say, here's a rock, have fun. That's great. No, he knows we need food. He's going to provide sustenance. Um, and he wants to hear what we want. He wants to, to help us when we ask for things that are good for us. And when they're not, when, when he knows better than us, he's going to give what's better for us. You know, if, if you're someone with kids, I don't have kids yet, but I have nieces and nephews, and you know, they, they ask for things that sometimes they don't know exactly what that is. Sometimes they may ask, you know, can I only eat candy for dinner? Well, no, you can't. 
That's not healthy for you. That's not good. Can I, can I touch the burner? No, it, but it lights up. No, don't touch it. That's not good for you. You know, uh, we're, we're, again, we're sinful, we're evil, and we know that we should not give all those things, but God is greater. He knows what's good for us, and he will provide for us in those ways. So I want to, uh, uh, as I mentioned, address this in the sense for those that maybe don't know God. Maybe you don't have a relationship with him, and again, you're new. You know, as we mentioned, you know, God, he wants to listen, but really, all these principles that I'm going through and what I'm about to share, too, with the different methods to improving your prayer, that really mainly applies to those who already know Christ. If you don't know him personally, you know, the first prayer that you really need to make is just a prayer of surrender. It's just a prayer of asking God to just come into your life and save you and just laying your life down before him. And so we've talked about earlier, we said that we can have confidence before him that whenever we ask anything according to his will, he hears us. And if we know that he hears whatever we ask, we know that we have what we have asked him for. And so just very briefly, because I don't want to assume anything, anyone listening at home or anyone in this room, uh, that maybe you've heard the gospel before. So just very briefly, I want to I will point out a few passages within Scripture just kind of briefly to share what God's will has said, what he says if we ask these things that he will do for us before we continue on. So I want to jump through Romans a little bit. So Romans 3.23 to start. And it says, For all have sinned and fall short of the glory of God. So this is just a very basic belief of Christianity is that we are sinful as mankind, and we've all fall short of God's glory. You know, God is perfect and sinless, and all of us, there's not one of us who has lived a sinless life, and we've all fallen short of the glory of God. You know, some of us are better than others. I've heard the example as a kid, you know, if we're all, if there's a river, and God's on one side of the river, and we're all on the other, and we're all going to try and run as fast as we can, as jump as far as we can to get to the other side of the river to get to God. You know, some of us are going to jump further than others, and some of us might be more righteous uh, than others, but none of us are going to jump across the entire river. None of us can do that on our own. It's not through works. It's through faith in Christ, and it's a gift for us. So again, looking at the next passage here, Romans 6.23, it says, for the wages of sin is death, but the gift of God is eternal life in Christ Jesus. So again here, we're sinless. We've fallen short of the glory of God, and there's a cost of that. The cost of sin is death, but there's something greater that God has given us a gift of eternal life through Christ Jesus our Lord. So we have the opportunity to have a relationship with God through Christ Jesus. And he wants us to have that relationship. He wants us to be able to pray with him. And so this is how we do that. And so again, it's not anything that we've done. It's all through God. Romans 5.8 says, But God proves his own love for us that while we were still sinners, Christ died for us. So again, it's not anything that we've done. God has, has provided this for us. And then Romans 10, 9, and 10 says, If you confess with your mouth Jesus is Lord and believe in your heart that God has raised him from the dead, you will be saved. One believes with the heart, resulting in righteousness, and one confesses with the mouth, resulting in salvation. So this is that prayer that I'm focusing on. So if you do not know God, if you do not know him personally, we can trust in God's word that you can be saved. And there's a prayer that you can pray. It's not any magic words. And I say the right words in an order makes you saved. It's a belief in your heart that God is the God of the universe, and he sent his son to die in your place, and that you're a sinner, you're not worthy, and you want to lay your life down at his feet and say, God, whatever you have for me, I give it to you. Help me to be obedient to you, Lord. I surrender my life to you. So as I go through the rest of this and focus on different methods of prayer, if you haven't prayed that prayer, we'll have opportunity at the end of this. If you don't want to wait for that, you can pray that right now. Uh, but I just want you to know, that is the most application-based for you of what you can do, is that's the first prayer you need to pray, is a prayer of surrender. Now, for those of you who have already prayed that prayer, for those of you who have been walking, I want to kind of 
look at a couple passages, identify a couple problems that I've noticed within my own life and I imagine are also true within some of yours as well about prayer and some of the things we struggle with and then offer a few different methods that can improve our prayers and a few different strategies and solutions that can help to do that. So one example I want to look at here, this is Jesus speaking in Matthew 6, verses 5 through 8, right before the Lord's Prayer. He's teaching his disciples to pray. And he says, whenever you pray, you must not be like the hypocrites because they love to pray standing in the synagogues and on the street corners to be seen by people. I assure you, they've got their reward. But when you pray, go into your private room, shut your door, and pray to your Father who is in secret. And your Father who sees in secret will reward you. So I want to pause here for a second. So what this is not saying is that we can only pray in closets, that we all need to go to a closet to pray, and that's the only time we can do that. That is not the case. Uh, many of us may have been praying in a closet on Saturday night when the tornado came, uh, but that's not the only time we, we have to pray, you know. We're gonna, we've prayed together already, that's not the only time. But what it's getting at is the heart of those hypocrites, you know, those people that love to make a big deal about their prayers, how grand they are, how great they are, look how close I am to God, uh, and I love to pray. And, and Jesus is saying, they've got their reward. They want it to be known. They want people to see how righteous they are. That's what they're going to get, and that's it. But when we go and pray in private, again, we're just humbly coming before God's throne and, and just praying and enjoying communion with him, that's where, where God rewards us, and he sees that in secret. So that's what that is saying in the beginning. And then in verse 7, picking back up, it says, When you pray, don't babble like the idolaters, since they imagine they'll be heard for their many words. Don't be like them, because your Father knows the things you need before you ask him. Now again, this is not saying don't pray for the same thing repeatedly, you know. God wants us to pray constantly, and we pray. There's, we see a lot of the Psalms where they repeat the same phrase in various wages. You know, your faithful love endures forever, over and over, repeatedly throughout the Psalms. So it's not saying don't pray that over and over, but it's again the heart of these people that they're praying. They think that they, if they say so many words, then God will listen. If we do so many things, God will do it. If I pray so many times, God will do that. That's, again, not how this works. Um, it's a relationship. It's not any sort of act on our end to do that. So he's saying don't do that. And at the same time, too, you know, you may not be someone who's very comfortable praying out loud, you know. Again, this verse, don't babble like the idolaters. Say one thing that you know is true about God. God, thank you that you are good. It's a great start. You don't have to feel like you need to add any fillers. I think a lot of times we get nervous when we pray that we start to say, um, and then we start to just throw random things in there. We should be careful when we pray. We don't want to attribute anything that is not uh, true of God when we pray. So next, next, the next passage I want to look at here is Matthew 26, verses 36 through 46. And so this uh, is Jesus going to pray in the garden right before he's about to be betrayed. Um, and so I want to go through here. And it says, Then Jesus came with them to a place called Geth Gethsemane and told the disciples, Sit here while I go over there and pray. Taking along Peter and the two sons of Zebedee, he began to be sorrowful and deeply distressed. Then he said to them, My soul is swallowed up in sorrow to the point of death. Remain here and stay awake with me. Going a little further, he fell face down and prayed, My father, if it is possible, let this cup pass from me. Yet not as I will, but as you will. Then he came back, he came to the disciples and found them sleeping. He asked Peter, so you couldn't stay awake with me one hour? So again, we see here the disciples, they didn't realize the urgency of the hour of what they were doing. You know, God brought them close um, and he, 
Normally when Jesus would go to pray, he'd go away from them and go in private, but this time he invited them to come close and he asked them to pray with him uh, while he goes and prays. And the disciples, they were asleep. They were tired. It was late. And so Jesus says, stay awake and pray so that you won't enter into temptation. The spirit is willing, but the flesh is weak. And so Jesus does this again in verse 42. Again, a second time, he went away and prayed, my father, if this cannot pass unless I drink it, your will be done. And he came again and found them sleeping because they could not keep their eyes open. The same thing, the disciples, they didn't see the urgency. They didn't see the need to pray and they continued to fall asleep. So Jesus, once more, after leaving them, he went away again and prayed a third time, saying the same thing once more. Then he came to the disciples and said to them, are you still sleeping and resting? Look, the time, is e- the time is near. The Son of Man is being betrayed into the hands of sinners. Get up, let's go, see my betrayer is near. So again, I see myself in the disciples sometimes. There's times late at night where I'm like, well, God, I'll just pray real quick, you know. Thank you for being good, good night. Uh, and you go to bed. But like, we don't, again, don't know the urgency of the hour. We don't know when our time will come. And so here the disciples don't recognize how urgent this is and they don't, they don't pray, you know, We're called, again, pray constantly in all things, in every area of our lives. So we want to be in prayer. And so I want to look kind of at a problem that I've noticed in my own life and then offer those solutions. And I think, similarly, I see this in those past two passages that I've seen. So I think this is probably a shared problem, a shared experience. So I think the truth of the matter is we struggle to pray because we find prayer boring. I do sometimes, absolutely. Or maybe we find that there's not really a point to praying because it's just repetitive and robotic. We say the same thing every single day. You know, a lot of times as kids, we get taught little prayers. God is good. God is great. Let us thank him for our food. Amen. And all those things. We pray at the same time, but it really loses the meaning the more we say it. It's just like, well, I say this because this is what I say before I eat and then X, Y, Z. And you really lose the heart behind it. So I think that's a, a problem that I think. Or maybe, again, as I mentioned earlier, maybe you fall in the camp that you think there's no point in praying because God is sovereign and his will is going to be done regardless of our prayer. So why? He already knows what we need. Why do we need to make that known to him? We've already looked earlier that kind of disproves that and says that God still wants us to make our requests known to him. And maybe we're here and we just hear others pray, maybe within our church, within our, our friend groups, and we compare our prayers to that. We can't help but do that. Maybe we feel inadequate. You know, We hear just how you know, spiritual and biblical other prayers feel, how long they are. And we're like, well, I, I, I just can't do that. I'm not, I'm not good enough. I'm not spiritual enough. And we think that that's kind of our own fault. We're the problem. Uh, I think that's evident sometimes, especially here at FX Church. We've got some people here that have, are really good at praying, and they can pray for very long times. Uh, this was very foreign to me when I first came here. I've kind of adapted to it. Uh, one thing that Annie and I hear often about our wedding from various people is, that are not from FX, clearly, uh, is they go, they just remember, man, that was the longest prayer I've ever heard in my life. And it was just a normal mat prayer. Like, I think any FX person that was here was like, this is, no, this is every other Sunday. Uh, but I remember a lot of people were like, that's the longest prayer I've ever heard. And so I think sometimes, again, if you're new to that, you can feel inadequate, like, I, don't, I can't pray like Matt. I can't pray that long. I don't know how to use those words. And again, we know that we're supposed to pray. We see in Scripture that we're called to pray, but we struggle with it, and we think that the issue is us. We think that it's our own fault because I must not be spiritual enough. I must not have great enough faith that I can't pray like everyone else. And I don't believe that's the case. I think, I think a lot of it is a, a lack of practical teaching on how to pray and a lack of, of training on how to do that. Again, a lot of times we go into prayer pretty blindly. We just start praying and say, dear God, um, thank you that uh, you're good. And um, we just kind of start thinking, but we don't have any sort of guidelines for how we are to pray. 
So we've looked at different passages. Again, we know we need to pray. And if God calls us to pray, he calls everyone to pray. We didn't see any scripture that said only the most righteous can pray. Only the most faithful. Only those with theological training. Only those with a seminary degree can pray. No. God welcomes children into his kingdom. So it's got to be something simple that we can all do. Like, it can't be that hard. Like most things, it's the simple things that we do. So I want to go through really briefly here just a few different methods that can help encourage you and give you a framework of how to pray in line with the Bible. Um, and so before I get to like the main one, just some other methods that are available to you. Thank you. <laughs> we were perfect. All right, Cody, you're in charge. We were really trying. We were working good for a while. Okay, so you may have heard some of these methods before. I know we've taught ACTS before. They're all acronyms. We love a good acronym. So ACTS, adoration, confession, thanksgiving, supplication. This can be your your guideline of how to pray, you know, start with adoration, you know, give God praise and glory for who he is and for his goodness. Confession, confess your sins, confess the areas you're struggling to God. Give thanks for the grace that we have in God and the forgiveness of our sins. Give thanks for whatever else you want to be thankful for. And supplication, you know, make your requests known to God. Pray for his will to be done. Um, Maybe you like the PRAY acronym, praise, repent, ask, yield, or joy, Jesus, others, yourself. These are just frameworks that you can kind of walk through and pray about. And I think these are really helpful to kind of align yourself to, again, keep those prayers off of yourself. Again, we can be very self-centered and very focused on the current thing that we're going through and miss out on the greater picture of what God's doing in our lives. And so I typically use ACTS a lot of time. Um, It gives me that good framework, but also without the next solution I'm going to offer, my prayers still end up being robotic in the same, you know, without God's word open. You know, a lot of times, especially with an adoration, I end up just giving God praise for the same thing over and over because I can't think of anything else to, to give God praise for. Um, so I think these are all helpful and we can continue to use them. And what works for one person may not work for you, but I just want to give a few different options. But the main solution I really want to offer is pray the word back to God. You know, let the Bible be your guide as you're praying. Pray with your Bible open. Um, you'll never run out of things to pray for with the Bible open. So we see, I just want to repeat back to 1 John 5, 14 through 15. Now, this is the confidence we have before him. Whenever we ask anything according to his will, he hears us. How are we to ask for God's will if we don't know God's will? Well, God's will is in his word. We have to know his word. Um, If we don't, we may be praying for things that are counter to God's will. We may be attributing God to things that he doesn't say that he is in his word. We want to remain biblical in our prayers. And so, again, the best way to do that is by praying with the word open. Uh, A quote that I I heard from John Piper, who's a famous pastor, author, theologian, uh, which I really liked, it says, if we don't form the habit of praying the scriptures, our prayers will almost certainly degenerate into vain repetitions that will eventually revolve entirely around our immediate private concerns rather than God's larger purposes. So again, if we don't have God's word at the forefront of our hearts, of our minds when we're praying, we're inevitably going to go back to us. We're very selfish creatures. selfish creatures, we're very prideful, and we typically are generally only concerned with what's going on in our lives. So I want to walk through an example here um, of how you can pray through scripture. You know, the book of Psalms is a great way to pray, and most of the Psalms are prayers, so they're very easy to walk through, to pray through. You can pray through other parts of scripture. You know, there's many prayers in the New Testament you can walk through, even within, you know, larger, you know, narrative passages. You know, you may have to read the whole book, but you see those narrative themes coming back. You can pray through those narrative themes as well. So I'm going to have us walk through the Lord's Prayer together and how you can pray through the scripture verse by verse. Again, this is 
not the only way you can pray, but I think it is a very helpful way. And again, if you're sitting here and you have not surrendered your life to Christ, if you don't have a relationship with again, I want you to just kind of sit back and, and just listen. And again, this is the relationship that we have available to us through God. We'll have an opportunity at the end to pray that prayer, to surrender your life. So what I'm going to do is I'm just going to go verse by verse, and I'm going to pray kind of how I would pray through reading this passage. And then I'm also going to take moments to pause for like 10 to 15 seconds. I'm going to invite you all to then pray in the same way. However these verses inspire you to pray, I want you to pray those things. So it's very simple when you're praying through Scripture. You just go verse by verse. And if the verse you know, bring something to your mind to pray about, whether it's something to give God praise about or to, you know, convict you of a sin that maybe you need to confess before God or give you thanks to God or pray for God's will to be done. You know, do that. Pray for that. If it brings someone's mind, someone to your mind that is going through a struggle that could be encouraged by this passage, pray for them. Uh, when God brings someone to your mind, pray for them right then and there so you don't forget. So I'm going to go through this and pray and then I'll take a couple minutes to, seconds to pause after each verse and I invite you guys, the same way that I'm praying, as God works in your mind, as the Spirit moves, pray with me as well. Let's try to do this for a few minutes. Our Father in heaven, thank you, God, that you are a great Father. Lord, thank you that you have allowed us to be called sons and daughters, and you have adopted us into your family. I thank you for those in this room who have been blessed with godly fathers in their lives, that have had people that they can look up to, spiritual fathers even, that have been able to pour into their life. Lord, I pray for those in this room whose relationship with their father may be strained or complicated. Lord, I pray that they're able to experience and be reminded that you are still their father and you are a perfect and loving father. Lord, I give you praise that you care for us and you provide for us and that you invite us into a relationship that is so personal, such as one that is father and child. Lord, I thank you for that. So I'm going to pause for 15 seconds. I invite you guys to pray the same way, just our father in heaven. Your name be honored as holy. Lord, I give you glory, and we lift your name on high. God, you are the God of creation and the God who was and is and is to come. Lord, I ask for forgiveness of times for myself and for those in this room. We have spoken your name in vain for times that we have attributed, you, attributed to you things that were not you, that are not as you say you are in your word. Lord, I ask that you would help us each to honor you and honor your name in our lives. Your kingdom come. Lord, we eagerly await and look forward to your coming kingdom. Lord, we look forward to the day when you will put an end to this world and to sin and we can experience you in fullness. We are exiles, Lord, in a foreign land, and we're longing to return home with you. Lord, I pray that you would help our hearts to long for you each day in the same way that we long for vacation, or we long for the weekend, or we long for seeing an old friend. Lord, I pray our hearts would long for your coming, for your kingdom to come. Lord, while we wait, I ask that you would help us to act in obedience to your word. Lord, I pray that our hearts would desire to see lost people join your kingdom and that would motivate us to share the good news of the gospel with them.
your will be done on earth as it is in heaven. Father, I thank you that you are sovereign over all things. I thank you that you are in control, and we do not need to be anxious about anything with you in control. Lord, forgive us for times when we place our will over yours. Lord, I ask that you would help us to align our wills with yours. And if there's anything that we're requesting that are not in line with your will, Lord, help us to see that. And we ask for your will over that. Lord, I pray that you would shape our hearts to be like yours. Give us eyes that would see the world and see others the way that you see them. Lord, help us to not get puffed up in our own pride and arrogance when we feel that we can control our lives and our futures. And we can make great and grand plans for our lives. Lord, help us to be humble in those moments and remind us that you are in control and we do not know how much time we have on this earth, how much time we've been given. And that we should say, if the Lord wills about the future, and only if you will it, that we want that to happen and that it will happen. Give us today our daily bread. Lord, we ask that you would provide our daily needs. Lord, we know that you will. We thank you for a roof over our heads. Lord, we thank you for food and for access to clean water. Lord, I thank you for the ease of transportation, Lord, that we, many of us have vehicles that we're able to get here and we don't have to walk miles and miles to come to hear your word preached, that we have easy access to that. Lord, I thank you for the freedom that we have to gather in this country to worship you to not seek persecution of death. Lord, I pray for those who just lost their homes and their belongings in the tornadoes and the storms this past weekend. Lord, I pray that you would provide for their needs. Lord, I pray for our brothers and sisters to be moved to welcome them into their homes, to provide for them in need. Lord, I pray for those who are mourning the loss of family and friends that maybe have lost loved ones in the storms. Lord, I pray that you would bring them comfort that goes beyond our human understanding and that, would, that they would experience comfort and peace that only comes from you. And forgive us our debts. Thank you, God, for your grace. Thank you that we can confess our sins to you and know that you have forgiven us through the blood of your Son, Jesus Christ. Lord, forgive me of my sins for all the times that I have fallen short of your glory each day. Already this morning, I'm sure I sinned multiple times. Lord, please forgive me of that. Lord, thank you that you say that if we know you, we are no longer slaves to sin, but have been given new life. Lord, I pray for those in this room who are wrestling with sin, that they would be convicted of it, and that they would confess it before you and with others. Lord, I pray for anyone here and online that doesn't know you personally. Lord, I pray that they would confess their sins and their need for you to save them. I pray that they would surrender their life to you and experience just the joy that it is to know you.
as we also have forgiven our debtors. Lord, I ask that you would help us to remember how much we have been forgiven. Lord, help us to be people that are quick to forgive others just as you have forgiven us. Help us not to hold grudges. Lord, I pray for anyone in this room or online who might be struggling to forgive someone in their heart. Lord, please help them to see the error in their ways and to be reminded how many times you have forgiven them for their sins. Lord, I pray that you would help them to forgive others. And Lord, I pray that us forgiving others would bring you glory and that lost people would take notice of our forgiveness. And I pray that these would be opportunities to share about your grace and forgiveness for us, uh, forgiveness to us, and that it would lead people to salvation. And do not bring us into temptation, but deliver us from the evil one. For yours is the kingdom and the power and the glory forever. Lord, I just pray that you would guard our hearts and guard our minds from all temptation. Lord, help us to remain pure and Lord, help us to, to want to, to set up guardrails to keep us from temptation, to keep us from sin. Lord, I thank you for just the gift of a church family and the gift of brothers and sisters that we can share our burdens with and carry our crosses and carry one another's crosses in areas that we're struggling. Lord, I pray that people would confess that to one another and that they would seek help if they are struggling with temptations or if they are struggling in sin. Lord, I pray that they would confess that to you and confess that to someone else and that we can help walk with them. And Lord, I thank you that, you know, even though we've been forgiven and that we will still sin. Lord, I thank you that you continue to forgive us. And Lord, I pray that you would help our hearts to not fall into the trap of thinking, well, we have, unlim we have unlimited grace, so we can just continue to keep on sinning. No, that is not the case. So Lord, help us to, to honor you in our obedience and in the way that we live our lives and conduct it. And I just pray that you would help us to not fall into temptation. And Lord, everything is yours. Our lives, our money, our finances, our treasures, our talents, they're all yours, God. This entire world is yours. So I just pray for your will to be done in all of our lives and across the world and just pray that you would be glorified and honored by the way that we act in obedience to you. Amen. All right. Part of the reason I wanted to have you all do that now, too, because if you're anything like me, you'll probably hear this application in the sermon, and if we didn't do it right then, you'd be like, that sounds really good. I'm going to try that, and you'd go home, and you'd never do it, because I wouldn't either, probably. <laughs> so I wanted to take a minute for us to do that. And you can see, again, like, think about how that was. Did you run out of things to pray about? Did you not know what to pray or how to do it? You always have a guide there and gives you ways to pray. So the Psalms are the same way. They're very easy to pray. And so I want to leave us with just a few practical application points, just different things you could do. It may be different for each person uh, where you're struggling, but just different things that you can do. First and foremost, you know, set a regular prayer time. If you don't have a regular quiet time, make sure you're setting times to set aside to pray and stick to it. Set this time aside for God. 
as I mentioned earlier, redeem those alone times as you're running, as you're driving. Those are simple times that you can spend praying. Um, and again, God wants us to be in conversation with him. You know, schedule a regular time to pray through the word with others. You know, if you're somebody who you've walked with God for a while, you're used to praying through scripture, uh, look for someone in the church who's not and try to take time to teach them and equip them and pray with them. If you're looking for someone to pray with, we do, many of us in this church just ask, we would love to do it with you, but also we have uh, people that pray on Zoom every Tuesday and Thursday morning at 7, 10 a.m. They just pray through a psalm. And again, it comes with practice. Nobody's going to be perfect at this right away. It's a discipline. You've got to continue to do it. It takes time. So if you are intimidated going to that Zoom meeting, just go and just pray one thing. Just be bold. You know, God, thank you that you're good. Thank you that you're a good father. Thank you that you're our shelter. You provide for us. And then just listen as others pray. And you can, again, pick up those skills. It takes time. But when you pray, pray with the word of God open. It'll be your guide. It'll keep your prayers in line with God's will. Um, and you'll never run out of things to pray for. And again, we just prayed for like five minutes. And we went through four verses. Again, you just go verse by verse. It's really easy. And just another additional resource if you want to dive a little bit deeper. Um, back at the offering table, I printed some of these out. But there is just a chart, Psalms of the day. Basically, depending on the day of the month, there are five Psalms. That your goal is not to pray through five Psalms. It's just to, within one minute, you know, read through very quickly all five of those Psalms. And whichever one applies to you most that day, or whichever one you feel led to pray through, pray through that. You know, there's so many psalms for all the feelings you could experience in this life. You know, one may speak to you more than a certain day. Just pick that and just start. Just pray through the psalm. You can keep it in the back of your Bible. You can keep it on your desk where you do your quiet time. But it just gives you a guide if you don't know where to start. You can also just start at Psalm 1 and then Psalm 2. But you might run into some that are a little bit uh, maybe more difficult to pray through if you haven't prayed through the word before. Um, and so that's why it gives you five to kind of just pick one that works for you. And then also, if you want to dive deeper into this too, a really short book that I recommend is Praying the Bible uh, by Dr. Whitney. He's a professor at Southern Baptist Theological Seminary. Uh, it's really short. It's 90 pages. I have it if you want to borrow it. It's like $7 online right now. You can read it in one sitting. It's available in English and Spanish. Basically, it just walks you through this further with some different examples of praying through Psalms, praying through narrative, narrative scripture, praying through the New Testament, uh, epistles, all different types of things like that. And so if you're interested in diving in further, those would be encouragements. Again, the uh, Psalms of the Day are at the offering table. Praying the Bible is available online anywhere books are sold, or you can reach out to me and I'll give it to you tomorrow. Um, so I'm going to focus on that. So with all that, I hope that gives you some tools and some ways to equip you to pray better. Um, that's my heart. So no matter where you came into this, I hope that you have a, de a greater desire to pray, a greater equipping to be able to pray. And again, if you do not know God, or maybe you pray to God a lot, but maybe you've never surrendered your life to him, you know, you can pray and ask God to come into your life and save you right now. You know, there's going to be many, the Bible warns, they're going to get to heaven and get to the judgment seat, and they're going to say, Lord, Lord, didn't we prophesy in your name, drive out demons in your name, and do miracles in your name? And God's going to say, I never knew you. Depart from me. You know, that's a really scary thing. You know, you may have prayed your whole life, but you've never truly surrendered your life to Christ. I pray that you would do that right now. Um, God loves you. He wants a relationship with you. He wants us to go to him. He wants us to have a conversation with him. So it doesn't have to be the case. You don't have to be told to depart. You know, again, God loves you. He sent Jesus to die on the cross for you. He raised him from the dead, even though you're still a sinner. There's a cost that comes with it, though. It's your life. You've got to lay down your life, carry your cross, and you are obedient to whatever God calls your life to be. So join me in prayer now as we close.
Dear Heavenly Father, I thank you for this day. Lord, I thank you for the opportunity to, to gather. Lord, I thank you for the opportunity to teach and to be able to, to talk about prayer. Uh, Lord, I thank you for the gift of prayer that you have given us. Lord, I pray for anyone in this room or online who does not know you. Lord, if they are feeling conviction and feeling a desire to lay their life down, Lord, I pray that they would pray and just say, God, please forgive me for my sins. Lord, I recognize my need for you. I recognize my sinfulness and my inability to save myself. Lord, I believe that you sent Jesus to die on the cross for my sins and raised him again three days later, Lord. I believe that and I thank you for that. Lord, I pray and just lay my life down at your throne. Lord, I invite Jesus into my life to save me as my Savior. And Lord, whatever you call for my life, Lord, I pray, I give it to you. It's all yours. Lord, I pray that you would help me to be obedient, Lord. Give me a church family that can help walk with me, help me to learn your commands and your statues. Lord, I give it all to you. And if you've prayed that prayer, Lord, you can, you can know that you are saved and you have been adopted into God's family as a son or a daughter of the one most high and have a relationship with him. And God wants to experience that relationship with you. He wants to have conversations with us and to do that by knowing his word and by praying his word back to him. Maybe you're here and you're struggling. Again, maybe you came in struggling to pray. You've just never set a set time to do it. You've never had the desire to. You've never known how to do it. Lord, I pray for those that they would be feel more equipped in this, um, after this teaching. And Lord, I pray uh, that they would just try, that they would just practice. You know, it takes practice. And Lord, I just pray that they would discipline their lives around you and around prayer and making sure that they spend time with you. And Lord, for those who have been walking with you for a long time and who are, are gifted at praying, Lord, I pray that they would continue to do so. Lord, I'm so grateful for the prayer of the saints. And Lord, I pray that they would help to equip those younger, that they can help teach them how to pray teach them how to pray through the word, through scripture, and encourage one another. So Lord, again, I just thank you for this opportunity. I thank you for everyone here, and I thank you for your word. I pray this in your name. Amen.